From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to a special edition of Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. The gold standard for Florida basketball in the last two decades is obviously the 04s and the back-to-back titles they delivered. But on the next rung below that era, you're sure to find the core that led Florida to the Elite Eight in four consecutive years, eventually breaking through to the Final Four in 2014. That group was unquestionably led by Patrick Young, who came to Gainesville as a decorated McDonald's All-American and breathed new life and passion into the program after the dip that followed the 06-07 glory. In a conversation that took place just before he assumed his new role with the SEC Network, Patrick took us on a journey spanning from Jacksonville to Greece and beyond. Uh, Early years, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. My home school would be First Coast, if anyone's here familiar with uh, with Jacksonville, with the geography of ja- Jacksonville, Florida. Um, actually, baseball was my first sport, um, and that's the sport I actually everyone thought I was gonna gonna pursue for my dream. And it's something I still kind of have that what if. What if I would have kept going with baseball because I was actually pretty good. Uh, if I didn't forego my senior year in high school, I probably would have gotten drafted because I was I was a pretty good pitcher. Yeah, I played baseball first, and it's it's ironic. My first baseball team, the name was the Gators. Huh. <laughs> so it was it was yeah. I, I still have the little pin. Oh wow! Of me, you know, when you you play little league, you take those little you take the pictures, and you have those pins. Which are, they're they're pretty cool. Um, I threw a perfect game once. Oh wow! Huh. In a little league, yeah, uh, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, Let's see. My grandparents, they were they are diehard Gator fans and their footprint is the reason why I'm a Gator. Honestly, they um there's a memory I have cuz they they were Bull Gators. They they had season tickets for a while. Um and they, you know, you know how hot it gets in the Ben Hill Griffin so once they got a little bit older, they decided to uh pass those season tickets along to someone else, which I was pretty frustrated about because they were only paying about $1200 for their season tickets. Which I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> you don't give those things up that easily, right? You shouldn't give that oh, up. Oh man, oh man, I would have. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't even put in words. Like, it's not, it's not about the money. It's just about being able to to hold on to that and keep it in the family, right? Because I would have kept, kept those tickets forever. I would have <laughs> never sold them. Um, I would never give those, those, those spots. But I, I remember going to um, a game. Um, I'm not sure exactly how old I was, but I went with them. And we we played against Vanderbilt, and on the extra point, I caught I caught the uh, the PAT. Oh, nice! Which was, yeah, which was pretty cool, and kind of like had you know had that another one of those blue imprints of me wanting to be a Gator. So it, around my, um, I wasn't very good at basketball <laughs> until like my freshman year in high school is when I actually got half decent, and then my sophomore year is when I ex- really exploded. And that's when I got offered all around the country. And uh, when Billy Donovan came knocking, it was really no question. I really probably could have committed so- uh, sooner, but I, I, you know, I was new to the process. And 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 uh, recruiting is it's a lot, man. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it, especially if you're not, if a kid like me, is a little, I was a little introverted, um, not really used to being the center of attention type deal and, and, and having that focus on me, but it all turned out pretty well. Well, I'm curious. So when did you start playing? Did you start playing basketball just because you got a lot bigger? I mean, wh- what took you from the baseball track to the basketball track and was football involved? I, I, I feel like if anybody would have played tight end, it would be you. I never played football just, wow. uh, outside outside of just playing pickup football in the street and, and whatnot. That's about it. Never played any, any type of organized football. Um, but I played, yeah, baseball was first, picked up basketball around seven or eight. And it, it was just like, I had a, a tight knit group of friends that I grew up with and my dad, my, my dad's friends at the time. And then, uh, you know, we were all around the same, the same age. So we played on, you know, travel uh, basketball together, um, you know, middle school together. Um, but I just wasn't very, you know, I didn't love it. I loved baseball more at the time just because it came to me so much easier um, I was really, really good at it. Um, basketball, it's a different, the the culture is just so much different. And I leaned more towards the baseball culture of guys and that atmosphere at the time. And just, and also like with the, you know, the, the real reason at the time, it, it, it was at the, in high school, um, I was playing both sports, basketball and baseball. And after my sophomore year, I kind of saw that I didn't, I wasn't clicking super well with the coaches. Um, baseball at my high school baseball, and then I, I was playing travel baseball at the same time. And then going into my junior year, going into that uh that next season, my grades were slipping. You know, something you wouldn't hear hear from me, a guy that was a three time SEC scholar athlete mm-hmm. in in uh, college. And um, but I I went to a magnet, um, a college prep high school, um, and I was taking like three or four AP classes at the time. But I was kind of having that um relaxed, complacent uh basketball is going to be my ticket type mindset started feeding into me so instead of taking taking school seriously as seriously as I should have and you know being an all-age student like I could have been I just I allowed myself to be a C student and my mom was like well because you made this choice I'm going to make the choice for you or you you have to choose between basketball or baseball and it was it was pretty easy for me at that time because it seemed like things aligned for me to just continue with basketball and then um, after my junior year, I transferred to a different high school um, and I and the baseball team, the program was a lot better there. Um, and I was like, man, I really want to play. I really want to play just one more year of baseball. And uh, funny story, it was it was uh, when was it, it would have been around the middle or the beginning spring spring baseball, maybe maybe around the end of basketball season that I was out there taking BP. And Jim Martin, my high school coach, was uh, he was looking for me, and he's like, "Where's Patrick at?" And like, oh, he's, he's out at the at the baseball field, and you know, he couldn't believe it. He didn't, he didn't know. I guess he didn't know about my background and how seriously <laughs> I took baseball. And um, he comes over to the baseball field and tracks me down and, and takes me to the side and says, "Hey, hey, uh, what, what you got going on here, Pat?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm, pl- I'm going to play baseball this year. Uh, you know, going to do, do both sports." He's like, "Um." All right, man. Um, how about this? We're gonna we're gonna call Coach Donovan real quick, and I want you to tell him that, <laughs> that, that uh, that's your plan. Um, that you're gonna and man, if he's okay with it, I'm okay with it. And I was like, uh, you know what? I think I won't play baseball. <laughs> that's funny. So that was that was the end of that. That was 17 years old. Was the last time I played organized baseball. So 
I'm not sure when exactly you know all American status gets doled out, but when when you're named a McDonald's All American, it does seem like like that changes things for guys in terms of the expectation levels, what they expect to themselves, what the outside thinks of them. Did you view that as was that a good thing for you, or did you feel like it brought maybe some unfair expectations or pressures once you had that label? Yeah, I think it can bring some unfair expectations. But it's it's also unfair to the the guys that are making the assessments because they're just making it based off of pure basketball um, talent that they see against other guys in the same age. They're not looking at and not necessarily. It's it's hard to predict how a guy is going to translate over to the college level when it comes to the scouting and game schemes and practice schedule and course load with school and learning how to be on time and. Being your, the first time in your life that you, you're without your parents and and those are things that you don't account for when a guy gets to college. Like, yeah, I mean, some and, and my situation was different. I, my family um, didn't come from a situation where I was like seen as a meal ticket or I was seen as as uh, the only way out of mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, a bad situation financially or something like that where a lot of guys are and, and their expectation is starts far before they get a, such a status as McDonald's all American or whatever it may be. And that to me, honestly, is more pressure than, um, than what I went through for sure, because you, you are seriously battling and each game. It means just so much for as, as far as being, having the ability to bring your family out of poverty or, a, you know, a dire, terrible situation. Right. But for me, you know, I got to, because I like I, I feel like I was very wet behind the ears when it came to just and very innocent with recruiting and just the world and um, just the way people saw me and the way I saw myself is, you know, I believe I just I just enjoyed the game of basketball. I didn't I wasn't thinking about the NBA. I wasn't thinking about the next level. I was just thinking about just just getting better and enjoying my time. And that. And then, then there also was the disconnection for, between expectation and wanting to excel, and the game being easier. Of course, the game's easier for guys when they're in high school versus college because there's there's not as much scouting. Mm-hmm. And when when there's a, a misalignment with your expectation level, level, and you know what you know what you think you can do, there's a lot of frustration. So I, I was very frustrated my first few years in college, uh, just because I wanted to to enjoy the game and have fun and. And and do what Coach Donovan was asking me is just the you know I reality check that I wasn't that good, <laughs> 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 or just that I had that I had a lot I had a lot to learn. You right. Know? In terms of recruiting, and I guess you were kind of predisposed to Florida all along, as you mentioned. But were there other big time schools that that at least made you think about going elsewhere and, and leaving Florida? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I took an official visit to Georgia. Um, Florida state was always big in my corner cause my sister went there, had a, had a pretty decent relationship with Andy Enfield when he was at Florida state and coach Hamilton. I think if, if I would have waited a little bit longer, I think my recruiting would have increased more. Cause I, you know, I think, uh, there was some, you know, how, how these college coaches do, do things now they, they go to your AAU coach and they relay information cause they don't want to be seen as not necessarily a snake, but that's just the way the business is. Right. Um, so there were some some colleges that contacted my coach and and to see if I was going to wiggle out if they had a chance to wiggle me out. So I, you know, I don't want to name anybody's programs because I got nothing but great respect for all these these guys and this, the commitment they make and the sacrifice for their families and and their careers. So, uh, um, 
you know, I, I've made the, I think I made the, the best choice for me, um, especially with my family being able to come to almost every single game. So it was, it was an extreme blessing. When you talked about your early years and, and kind of struggling to, to, you know, hear what the coaches were saying to translate it to your game in terms of teammates, who was most helpful to you when you got on campus in your early development, which teammates were the biggest for you in terms of role models? You know, we did. I, I think we lacked. Honestly, I think in my first three years, we lacked that leadership that you you would be you would think would be there for guys to to freshman guys coming in to, to huddle around. And it's it's rare to see because a lot of guys, um, college players now, especially nowadays, are just so inwardly focused. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. It's it's a lot easier to focus on yourself and to think about your goals and your vision and expectation for yourself and wanting to make it to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, versus, you know, taking the extra time to sit, sit, sit a guy like me down and say, Hey man, you know, uh, this is, it's a lot to take in. I'm here to take you under my wing. Um, I want to see you excel. I want to see you, let's both of us, like, if you do well, I'm going to do well. Let's, let's push each other to get better. Um, you know, how, how can I help support you in this? You, you know, you don't find that. Uh, it's really where you find that type of leadership. A guy that's older is going to really take someone under them. I didn't experience that kind of leadership until I went, honestly, until I was a professional. Hmm. Um, or, you know, when I was, when I was the, a guy in, in charge, when I was a senior, right. Um, that's when in my class of guys, we decided that we're going to set the standard that we saw a lot of things when we were freshmen and sophomores that we said, um, you know, we love those guys, but we're going to do things differently when we're in their position. We're, we're going to practice harder. We're going to hold each other accountable. Um, we're going to hang out together. We're going to spend time together off the court. And that's really what equated to us ha- having so much success. Because even the younger guys um, that we left, that left, like you'll get Casey Hill um, and, and Dodo. Those guys were tremendous um, after we left because they, they were, and Michael Frazier, because they were a part mm-hmm. of that class we had and were able to carry that that on. So that, that was something that was really special. It's just, I can't say I particularly, you know, I still have a good relationship with a few guys like Vernon Macklin. Um, but at the time, um, I can't say that he necessarily took me under his wing um, in in that manner of like, hey, you're my little brother. Right. I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you everything that you need to know about being successful this year. Yeah, I know for, for a long time, everyone thought about you being an NBA guy, an NBA guy. Well, yeah, it's I mean, first off, it was it was difficult each year deciding between NBA and staying in college. And it's it's something I still kind of kind of, you know, comes up and contemplate it's one of those situations where life would be different but it'll be better don't know that for sure um but contentment man this just having having gratitude and contentment in whatever situation i think that is the ultimate life hack for whatever situation you're going through if you can find gratitude in a situation um it's, it can help you tremendously just to uh, count your blessings um because you know I, I got i just i'm in a i got to be in a competition a table that a platform that so many people just wish they have the opportunity to be in. And the fact that I just got to play in the game um, was, was pretty awesome. But yeah, man, it, it definitely disappointing night. Uh, draft night was disappointing. We got, got the opportunity to be in New Orleans. Uh, it was a great, great opportunity um, for me. Just unfortunate that I never even got a chance to step on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wish, wish I would have got that opportunity. And it was after I got cut, uh, leaving a back to back, we were like nine and seventeen on the season. I got cut like on the way back from DC, um, 
And I had to make the decision, do I want to go overseas and get this guaranteed money or do I want to stay in the G League? Because my my agent, he has another partner and one was saying, you know, go get the guaranteed money. And one was saying, stay in the G League, an opportunity is going to come. But the idea was, all right, let's go overseas, get in the Euro League, get this opportunity, make this guaranteed money. And then if you still want to go come back and do the G League, come back and do it because you at least you'll have some money in your pocket and you don't have to struggle on $20,000 for the year. At right. the time, they didn't have they didn't did not have two way contracts where guys can make only two guys can make a little bit more, a lot more um, than $20,000. But at the time, it was, you know, only a few guys like two or three were making $20,000 on the year Jeez. in the G League. It was the D-League at that time, still in 2014. Mm-hmm. So I went went overseas and uh, was in Turkey my first year. And that was culture shock. That, But it was, it was really cool just getting to connect with the Americans there in a foreign country. Just everyone's sharing in the same, you know, American, the foreigners uh, just sharing the same common goal, common struggle, I guess, of being foreigners in a different country, loving the game of basketball, just wanting to excel. Uh, you know, make money for your family, your future, etc. So there, there was a few guys on my team that just welcomed me in right away. That kind of leadership that I was uh, mentioning earlier about guys that just take you under their wings and just show you the ropes and just help guide you um, in your transition. Um, so I played great my first year. I was with Carlos Arroyo was my point guard. Huh. And I wish if, you know, if, if I would have played uh, a year like I did in um, in Florida, like one of my years in in uh, as a professional, my first year, I would have gotten draft first round because he was such a great passer. It was insane. He he threw me so many lob alley oops. It was insane. Like I was I was not used to getting the ball tossed to me in the air that much. Um, but it, it afforded me a great opportunity, even though we were, we were on a losing team. It afforded me a great opportunity to get a chance with the Clippers in the in the G League, not G League, summer league. Mm-hmm. And, but I had an opportunity to go to Greece um, with the team Olympiakos. It's a, it's a Nick Kalathis player right. from Panathinaikos, the the other uh, big Greek team. And it was a great opportunity, a lot of money, um, a great opportunity to play on a team that has a chance to win the championship. And a great year there could get me a guaranteed contract back in the NBA because I was playing out of my mind. I was playing the best basketball I played in my life when I was uh, 23. Uh, decided to go to Greece. And I was averaging in like in 21 minutes, I was averaging 12, 10, and four. Um, better stats than I had in Florida again. <laughs> just uh, four blocks a game. Wow! Like easily four blocks a game. I was affecting almost everything at the rim. I was affecting just about everything at the rim. Um, first month into the season in the Euro League, I got hurt and uh, missed that whole season. Didn't my ACL didn't heal? Uh, my ACL healed. My my uh, meniscus did not heal correctly. From the injury, I had a ACL and meniscus tear. Got hit in the back of the knee. First injury I've ever had, mm. um, and ended up playing through that second season, just struggling because you know my knee wasn't acting right because I had that meniscus problem still. And then I, uh, uh, after that season, you know, didn't have a good relationship with the coach because he, he's telling me it's all in my head that I'm just I'm soft and etc. Just just a bunch of nonsense. It's, that's when the business part of basketball gets really ugly when you turn to a professional because you realize people don't really care about your well-being as much as they do uh, in college. Right. <laughs> um, especially being in a foreign country. In the NBA, things would have been a lot different for sure. But then I went I went to Italy 
after that, had surgery that I needed to fix on my meniscus. Uh, had an infection after surgery, um, which was a pretty tough time for me. You know, this is something I'd still have kept kind of under under wraps. You know, it's not something that's been like told uh, around the world or whatever that that they know that I had an infection where I I lost my ability to walk for a while. Oh. I lost thirty pounds. Um, I was in the hospital for two weeks. I had subsequently following that, I had six more surgeries. Jeez. Uh, to fix my knee. Yeah. Um, just to clean out that bacteria, had to learn how to walk again, keep getting the, you know, scar tissue issues. Um, so I had been through the ringer and fortunately I was blessed and worked my butt off, worked my butt off harder than I ever had of getting back to being able to play, play last season in another city in Italy, um, played from December to May. Uh, did, you know, didn't feel, didn't play my best ball, my knee, uh, you know, it's it, it been through a lot, but it was just such a blessing to get back on the court and do what I love. Uh, but it was, you know, mentally, all that had taken a toll on me, uh, just dealing with a little bit of depression of, you know, why did this happen? This wasn't fair. But I, I definitely believe that um, I went through all this in the past three years as, as a means for me to just have more dependence in my faith in God that um, I can use just my story of being able to inspire others just from not giving up of being able to use my platform of not, not taking my, you know, my life for granted. I think I was very passive uh, with basketball in my career of thinking that, you know, everything would just come to me in a sense that when I was overseas in Europe, I, I, I stopped having vision of an intentionality of chasing after the NBA. I kind of was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to just play overseas and dominate over here and just make a lot of money and enjoy this <laughs> And, you know, it would have been a good life, but, but, you know, what is, what is your intentionality? What is your vision for your life? So that's been, that's been the, the road. I know I gave you a lot there, but no, that's it's, been the that's journey. Great. How difficult was the language barrier and kind of, you talked about it, the culture shock. Is that more or less difficult than the differences in the basketball language, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, in a sense, I would say I was there. There is the basketball language barrier, and then there is a just language language barrier. And right. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Language being that's that's going to be different with every coach because um, I've played for four different coaches when I was in Europe. My first coach in in, in uh, Turkey, he did he talked English, spoke talk English, spoke English, <laughs> but not that great. <laughs> English wasn't that great. He didn't talk much in general. Probably in the six months I was there, he probably spoke to me 50 words. <laughs> um, then my, my coach in Greece, his, his English was great. But if he was, you know, upset, frustrated, wanted to really emphasize something, he would speak, uh, have one of the assistant coaches whose English was really good, translate for him. And then my coach last year um, in Italy, he, he was from New Zealand. So he spoke, his, his English was fantastic. But when I say basketball language, um, Coach Donovan kind of spoiled us in a sense of how excellent he was at teaching us the game that I kind of had this expectation level that when I was going to get overseas, that the coaches were going to have the same type of attitude, basketball IQ, uh, emphasis on terms, terminology of making it clear what everyone's jobs are supposed to be on, on, on defense, on breaking the offense down. That was shocking to me when I, especially my first year that, my coach didn't really speak. Uh, practices weren't really instructive on learning learning something, on implementing a new strategy, on running different plays. On, but it's so crazy because this coach that I had has been so successful in Europe 
and he's done. He's run the same exact like three plays his entire <laughs> career. <laughs> exactly. So I guess if it ain't broke, that's right. Up. Yeah, it's working. Um, and then I go to Greece my next year, and good God, like complete flip of the spectrum. This coach was like, he hammered the same thing into your head every single day. Like you, like it was his first time teaching you every single day. Film session was forty five minutes to an hour every single day, uh, and he'd be and we probably would play the worst team in the Greek league. They could be one in one in sixteen, and we're still gonna give them an out. I mean, you should respect your opponent. Always respect your opponents, but like <laughs> <laughs> to to a point, right? To a point. <laughs> to, to a point. <laughs> like to a point, you just gotta trust that your guys are more talented. We just got more talent than these guys. Like, you're like, hey, guys, like, I don't want to see, you know, we need to win this game by 30 points. <laughs> you know, I understand it's, it's a human nature battle. Right. <laughs> you know, just don't embarrass me and don't embarrass yourselves. All right, let's go get this win. <laughs> <laughs> that should be enough sometimes. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, the it's every, the overseas, it's, it's different. I mean, every you, you see the, the successful teams. Um, that you'll see, like with Scotty, the, the, the Scotty Wilbekins in Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, he actually has my coach from when I was in Greek in Greece, and they're they're very successful. Um, you just see guys that are really bought into basketball and the terminology, and just really devote themselves to it. Usually, good things follow for those those type types of coaches. Did you have any funny like fish out of water stories? Because I've interviewed guys before. That uh, I think specifically when I talked to Al Pinkins, he had some stories about uh, where when he was overseas and it, it just something just didn't quite connect and it got him into a weird situation. Do any of those come to mind for you? Plenty of stories. <laughs> um, well, what I didn't expect to see at all was we were I, when I was in Turkey, we played against a Matt Walsh's old team in Eskashir was the name of the team he played for, and it was one of those teams you you travel like four or five hours to get to by bus and just they were like last place nobody wanted to play and they come out juiced up and they're they're beating us in the first half by a few points and in this time coach put in a a young kid he's like 17 or 18 years old kids in the game for a minute didn't he he didn't affect the game you know like he had no effect really on the game but coach comes into the locker room and he is pissed off (laughs) He's screaming in Turkish, something, 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, man, like we, we just don't have. I'm in my mind, in my mind, I'm just like, we just don't have it today. We just don't, really, don't want to win. And he's looking at the Turkish kid um, that's sitting right next to me, and he's screaming, screaming, and all of a sudden he slaps the kid in his face. Oh wow! Just full back, not not backhand. He didn't pimp slap him. He just went <laughs> full. He went a full right behind him, 12 degrees high, slapped, slapped him across the face once, and then he slapped him across the face again. Oh, wow. Slapped him twice. Two times. Two times. He gave him a two time, a <laughs> two piece. Wow. That uh, I, we were all, I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what is going on? This just got to another level right here. What's this going on? This just got to another level. Like, this is crazy. So, I mean, nothing really happened from it. The coach ended up getting fined because it, that, that news came out. The, you know, nobody it, – it, it was, that was just a crazy situation I didn't expect. Um, what was another – a really cool situation was when we won the Greek League Championship my rookie year – or my second year. We won on the road on a buzzer beater. 
in against Nicolaitis' team. Hmm. And on the way back to our arena, there were 15,000 fans swarmed around it, lighting flares, chanting, throwing stuff, uh, screaming our names. We're on top of the bus. We were on top of our bus going through like just there's screaming, screaming everybody's names. Like it was awesome, man. That was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Like I don't think if we would have won, you know, the championship, I don't know if there would have been a parade as serious as what we experienced winning that Greek League championship. I was covered in sweat when uh, we had to go through the crowd to get to the locker room. And none of the sweat was mine. <laughs> so it was, it was like that. Um, that does not sound like good social distancing. That was not social distancing but at all. No. No, it was disgusting. <laughs> um, and one another story, I guess the last one, this this past season when I was in, in uh, Avellino, I'd never seen anything like this before either. The coach we had, he was a great guy. I loved him. He he was he was such a nice coach, but he just wasn't a nice man. But he just didn't know how to handle um, the team, the situation he was with the club. He just he hadn't coached a club that big before, so it was very new to him with how handling personalities and not playing guys and how to talk to us, etc. So a lot of times he, it led to him just being passive and not speaking. So. Around, I, I had left the team for a second because I hurt my foot, and I heard I heard this story from from my teammate. Uh, he said they had a team meeting, and one of the Italian players just goes up and tells them, "You're the worst beeping coach I've ever had in my beeping life." Oh wow, you're terrible! <laughs> <laughs> and he starts. He goes on to mocking him of like what he exactly like his mannerisms and and how he quote unquote coaches and how none of it works. And I was just like, I, I, I wish I could have been there to see that. He's like, because because my, my teammate was like, bro, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> he just straight up, you're the worst coach wow. in my, I've ever had in my life. Yeah, like straight up, just like that. Yeah, culture shock, for sure. Culture shock, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, a couple final things for you. You talked about kind of being in a, in a more reflective place now. Looking back on your career, what are, what are some of the moments that stand out to you, especially thinking back to your time as a Gator? Are there any particular games, moments, plays? What, what is it that you remember when you think back on, on all of your time? There's a few of them. And I'll, I'll just go to, let's see. <laughs> I, well, I remember my freshman year losing to Butler. You know, there's not a not one that you would say, but I, I just remember that kind of marked me because I, you know, the shot that Shelvin Mack was on me, he made was on me, was in my face because I was I wasn't up on him enough to affect his shot, and just didn't didn't have the basketball IQ at that time of understanding like what I needed to do. Um, sophomore year it was when we lost to Louisville. Uh, man, that was some some great battles we had with that Vanderbilt team. And that Kentucky team, that Kentucky team we played was special with Anthony Davis, Terrence Jones, Deron Lamb, um, the Marquise Teague. But that going against that team was really special. They were so, and then Tennessee as well. That was one of the best years the SEC had. Mm-hmm. Us, Kentucky, Tennessee with Jarnell Stokes and jo- Jordan McRae, um, Vanderbilt with Festus Azili, um, John Jenkins, Jeffrey Taylor, uh, Colborn. I can't remember the point guard, uh, the white kid that. He dunked on Chandler Parsons <laughs> so bad. Whoo! He dunked on Chandler so badly uh, my freshman year. Good God. Just like down the lane, 
uh, tomahawk right on Chandler's neck. Um, I got to look that up. I can't, I can't remember yeah, that for oh some reason. Oh, my gosh. Yes, so bad. But I will say um, the game I had against Arizona, best career game. I should have had – honestly, I could have had 40 that game if, if they, they should have just kept giving me the ball because they, they had no answer for me that game at all. They had zero, zero answer. Um, playing against Florida State, when I blocked Bernard James's shot on the backboard and ripped it out of his hands, let's see – the dive I had against Tennessee um, at their place to to get give us an extra possession that was pretty much sealed the game. Um, and now there was another play when Tennessee was beating us in the SEC tournament semi championship game. Um, this this sequence gave us the lead. I, I went and saved a loose ball on that was on their side, tossed it over the defender, got it to Dodo. Dodo pushes it down the floor, finds Michael Frazier, knocks down a three. And that, that pretty much was the, the swing of the game that got it for us. But, man, it was so many great memories, man, just beating beating Kentucky, beating Kentucky in that final game, hoisting them that trophy, kicking their butts at, at home um, for our last last senior night game, um, beating Dayton to go to the Final Four. It's, it's so many memories, man. It, it, I, I, I even remember our last practice when Casey, Scotty, Will, and I were just sitting, sitting down and just reminiscing like, man, this is our – this is our last practice here. It, there's too many memories. I, if, if, if me and the guys sat, sat down and just chatted, we could, we could talk about all this stuff and, and bring back all the memories. But it was some of the best years of my life. Hmm. Final thing for you. I, we've talked a lot about stuff on the court. Uh, I'm curious, what are you doing off the court these days? What are you doing for fun? And then also beyond basketball, what does that look like for you as well? What's the next step? You know, I, I own a business, an escape room in Gainesville. How hard are your escape rooms? Every time I do an escape room, it's too hard. I get frustrated. How difficult are these escape rooms? You, you probably just got bad partners. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Always blame it on someone else. I like that. Blame it on somebody else. Blame yeah, it on them. Yeah, de- deflect the blame, always. If it's your first time ever doing it, it's going to be tough. But I, I kind of like the idea of making the escape rooms 100% success rates because nobody wants to go in there and be in a be a you know leave thinking that they were they were a failure right you just you just people just come back when they when they succeed and and are talk about something in in a better such a different light when they go through an experience and it's a positive one versus ah you know we went but it was really hard and xyz versus oh we went and had a good time man we got out in this amount of time and the staff was great so doing that, I've been involved a lot. I was involved a lot with Greenhouse Church. You know, my faith is a big part of my life and being able to talk my story and just bringing athletes, because it's, it's so difficult for athletes to to bring and incorporate faith into their life at times because athletics is all about performance, working your butt off um, to get a result, to, to get um, favor, value, or if you don't work hard, then you're worth nothing and and you're at a lower level, you're, you're seen as lesser, maybe your family doesn't like you as much. But when it comes to faith, it's, it's polar opposite of that, that like it's, it's a broken world that we live in. So there is a lot of hard stuff that happens, but you don't have to walk through this life alone through it. So incorporate been, been doing a lot of that, speaking to a lot of sports teams in Santa Fe. I've been involved in Atlas in Action. Um, I had an opportunity, which will come back. I'm not sure if the, the basketball chapter for me is closed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to keep playing, but SEC Network um, offered to interview me. 
So we'll see. You know, I might be doing, you know, doing the be the Tim Tebow of bas- basketball for SEC Network coming up this next year. So we'll see, man. It's a uh, life. Life's looking good. Life is. I'm in a good, good place right now. It sounds like it. I would not question that for a second after the time we spent together. So, uh, Patrick, thank you so much for for sharing so much of your story with us. Thank you, my man. I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Gator Tales wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review to help us continue to grow. Be sure to keep track of all of the orange and blue action by visiting FloridaGators.com, then come back here every Thursday during the athletic season for an all-new episode. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. Thank you so much for tuning in to Gator Tales. Gator Tales.